the day and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. What's up, Connection Podcast Network listeners? Welcome back to 9021 No Set with Beverly Hills 9020 Podcast Retrospective Series. I am JT, and joining me, as always, is my partner through these travels, Tim. Tim, how are you? JT, I'm doing pretty good, and as of this episode, our podcast is officially legal. Look at that. Mm. Episode 18 of Season 1. We're halfway so, to um, Andrea Zuckerman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sir. <laughs> But uh, counting this episode, we've got uh, five left in this first oh, season. Oh, boy. Wow, I know. we are close. We are close. I can feel it. And I, I'm, I'm just really hoping it's all killer until the uh, the finish line here. Uh, I, I got a good feeling, uh, so we'll, we'll see what we've got on tap. And certainly on tap, we have a new first-time guest with us. Who do we have? Well, we do. Yeah, he's uh, been waiting in the wings for a while to be on the show and uh, be another interesting voice to hear his relationship through time with Beverly Hills, not a two and oh, and you may hear him on various other shows on our sister network over on the place to be nation pop feed place nation wrestling feed. You can hear him there. And that is our very good friend, Mr. Michael Cook. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good uh, now that uh, winter sh- looks like it's officially over here in the northeast. Knock on wood. Um, so. Doing my uh, due diligence and my first uh, path through 9021 universe. Very good. Very good. See, I took you as someone who was like a big fan and wanted to be on and had watched. But now it sounds like this is you're saying it's your first time through. So I guess tell us, how did you get here? Is it just because of the show you started watching? Well, you know, through through the years, like you, you, you knew about the show, like it, the show started when I was a sophomore, junior in high school. And so it really wasn't in my wheelhouse at this time, but, you know, I knew what the peach pit was and I knew the characters just from, you know, generic, you know, general pop culture. Mm-hmm. But with you guys talking about it so much, you know, you guys have been talking about 90210 forever on the pot on, on the main podcast and, you know, always saying that you guys were going to do one eventually. And I figured, well, what the heck? I was looking for a new show to binge and JT, I do have to say every show you suggest I have liked, mm. you know, started mm. with uh Friday night lights yep. and then West wing, you know, uh, West so. wing wasn't me. That might've been a Chris Colo special. That was not me. Nope. I don't think I've ever seen, I've never seen an episode of West wing, but anyway, but this, I figured I'd give it a shot. I mean, I will admit it's been a rough watch for me so far, but you guys all say it gets better. So I'll, I'll trust your judgment. Well, that's what's interesting to me to hear, because most of the guests we've had on have seen some of the future of this outside of a couple. And Tim and I obviously know where everything's going, but it's interesting to have just this brand new perspective um, watching along and having no clue where it goes. So, yeah, you're driving blind and having faith that we're taking you somewhere you're going to enjoy. So. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an interesting perspective to see, like to, you know, to have you back throughout this journey and and see how you're progressing, and I could see why, like season one would be a struggle, if you don't kind of know what's coming because I think some of the highs of season one, Tim, have been for us because like 
oh wow this character was doing this already you know like it's uh-huh. like we, we yeah. kind of know the characters more intimately right for mike he's only seen you know 17 18 times of these characters and that's it like with no knowledge of who's going to develop into what so unless you enjoy it on a pure soapy feel which again i feel like doesn't fully come in till later like we're still kind of in and we talked about this a lot in our last episode, like problem of the week scenario where things kind of get yep. wrapped up and, you know, teen and definitely we'll see tonight, like teen issue of the week type stuff. Um, so I can see why the episodic soapy nature, like maybe isn't hitting you yet, Michael. But I think as you go through, it's going to get much more um, episodic and much more dramatic, like, yeah. you know, as we get into future seasons. Yeah, this first season really seems like. I'm watching the afternoon specials and you guys might be a little young for the ABC after school specials, but I mean, that's what it seems like every single episode just about has that, you know, the kids are going to get in trouble. This is how it is. And, you know, everyone's happy at the end, you know, type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, If anything, I think JT and I were sort of setting ourselves up going into this. This first season was going to be, maybe a, a rough start that we were just going to have to maybe endure <laughs> until mm-hmm. we could get through. And if anything, it's, it's been that weird kind of um, cognitive dissonance between our, our expectations and the reality here, which I, I think, you know, we've maintained that it's been surprisingly strong to us based on what we had kind of remembered and, and what we were setting ourselves up for. So we've been, I guess you could say pleasantly surprised, but by the same token, as JT was saying, someone who's never seen the show before, yeah, I can see how this would be rough going, you know, your well, first impression. Well, I've um, also learned, I've also learned that, you know, a lot of first seasons and almost every oh, yeah. show mm-hmm. always, it's basically, here's your characters, right, this is your yeah. introduction, and and you take any hits, you know, even back in the eight, the, the Cheers, Seinfeld, mm-hmm. you know, we're just a start. And even if you go current, like I, I'm a huge Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. And I think that was one you suggested, JT. Mm-hmm. Put it <laughs> um, on the list. The, the first season, it was it wasn't rough, but it didn't pick up until all like until the second season when it seemed like now, you know, the characters and it hit in all cylinders. It is. I mean, even Parks and Rec was the same way. Even The yeah. Office. Um yeah, there, I mean, there's tons and tons of examples where season one, you, Silicon Valley, right? It's like, like there's so many where it's like season one is like, okay, you're just gonna get through season one, and you'll be cruising. And even like, uh, right down the Better Call Saul, which is a good comparison, is a drama. Mm-hmm. Like I've been selling that a lot to people because it's coming back soon, and I'm like, listen, like, like I know it's slow in the beginning, but trust me, it'll get better. So it's just, um, you know, very few shows come out of the gate with like a a romp in season one. I'll tell you though, the music though is bringing me back like the music is right Mm -hmm. there you know like all that music is just you know in in some of it you you know it's just even in the background it just brings back memories of of my high school years yeah that's why it's interesting to me too because your timeline more so than anyone we've really had outside of maybe who tim like sean and scott like really lines up with you being in high school and kind of peers of these people um, at the time right they're one year ahead of me they're juniors i was sophomore right in march and they'll be juniors again in season two yeah they'll be juniors again so so you're gonna be you'll be on par with them uh in in the next season (laughs)
Except not as rich. <laughs> not, not even close. Right. All right, let's let's get into this then. Uh, it is season one, episode eighteen. It's only a test. Aired March twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one, originally, and uh, we're missing only two of our usual cast, and that's Brian Austin Green and Douglas Emerson. So no David and Scott in this episode, but the rest of the crew at least pops in for a bit, if not for more. We open up on a campus, uh, and someone on the campus has this massive laptop. <laughs> yes. Just a massive laptop. And I guess, I don't know, Mike, you can uh, illuminate us more on this. Like, I didn't realize laptops were even a thing for, like, public consumption. I thought maybe scientists or something, you know, would have them. But, like, I didn't think an actual portable computer. I mean, we were still still the green screens. I mean, at that that time, there was no, uh, you know, (laughs) laptops. You wouldn't even thought of that. Right. Yeah, that thing definitely caught my eye. Uh, just some rando on the on the laptop. Uh, Steve is catching up with Brandon, and he's talking about doing a big SAT prep course. And Brandon's like, "No, like I'm I'm not studying for it. Like you can't study for this test. It's it's testing how smart you are and your knowledge. You can't cram all of this learning into this you know one weekend." And Steve's like, "No, I, I can't." <laughs> he's like, "No, you've been had." And Steve says it's a $500 course called put on by Alfred B. Cook to accelerate a course. And Brandon says you can't make up 16 years of ignorance in one week, which I thought was a great line. Uh, just really putting his friend yeah. down here. And, uh, and I thought for a minute, like, was Alfred B. Cook, like, sponsoring this episode? Because they say that name so many times. I don't know if it's real, if it's not. I've never heard of it. But, like, there was something going on because they literally said it all throughout the episode. It's possible. I didn't think to Google it, but I mean, certainly there were those prep courses back then. So no, uh, it just he's a second lieutenant from the World War Two. Okay, so just a (laughs) fake name. There you go. (laughs) Meant to be like Kaplan or whatever one of those, you know, would be, I guess. But just a fake name. But I mean, they say it so much. It felt like they were sponsoring the fucking show uh, the way they brought it up. Uh, So Brandon then goes into the newspaper office and Andrea is sitting there gnawing on a pencil. And Brandon gives her a bunch of shit. And this was like a line of like freaking like Gilmore Girls or some shit. He's like, stop yeah. masticating that pencil and or Dawson's Creek. And uh, Andre assumes, oh, you must be taking that expensive course if you're using big words like masticating as I'm eating this pencil. And she just goes off, of course, in typical Andrea saying those courses are unfair because those are lower income or a disadvantage, which I don't. I mean, I guess, but they're all individual scores. They're not really ranked against each other, right? I mean, you're going to do how you do regardless of how someone else does, but okay. Yeah, Um, it's just like anything, but I guess that's a very Andre reaction, but everything, she's so frazzled throughout this entire episode that a lot of um, how she responds to, you know, what her dilemma is, and this one is uh, pretty over the top, but in a way, I sort of enjoy it because that's a side of her we don't see very much. Well, she was almost Um, like on autopilot with the resent, like the anger just kicked in. Yeah, right. It just, it was just like a reflex. Um, I do want to add that the first time I w- ever watched this episode, whenever, you know, some point in the 90s in syndication, that term masticate has always <laughs> stuck with me. I, I don't know why it just did. And I guess because they do make such a big deal out of, oh, that's a big SAT prep word. And, uh, you know, maybe that was something that I was I was thinking about on the horizon. You know, I wasn't even in high school, but something I would have been thinking about one day <laughs> having to do. And I don't know, filed it in, in my uh, memory banks and it's just it's always stuck it's, with me. it sticks out because there's actually a seinfeld episode where they say it and i remember the scene mm. it's it's where um 
George's girlfriend, and Mike, you might remember this episode, but George's girlfriend, the girl from Drew Carey show that plays like the main female lead is yeah. his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she, it's the one where George, she doesn't give a shit what he looks like and what he wears. Um, and she eats like his chewed peach pit. Um, no pun intended. And says something like, I don't like, and then he puts it back in his mouth. He didn't realize like she had it in her mouth or something. And yeah. Je- Jerry, one of them says something like, you know, you ate a masticated peach bit or something like that. So it's, that word is always stuck in my head when I heard it here. Like I immediately thought of Seinfeld, uh, but Andre's freaking out. She says she sucks at standardized tests and college take them very seriously. But Brandon reminds her she can take this test three times if you need to. Like, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. He's he's really downplaying the SAT as like, look, you're yes. either going to do it or you're not. And all the fretting and all the studying is not going to mean shit. And you get three shots at it. So if you bomb it, you'll get another couple tries. Like, stop, ch- you know, chill out. I want to ask both of you guys. Um, JT, how many times did you take the SAT? Do you remember? I took it twice. Once junior year and once senior year. Yeah. Mike, how about you? Was this a, a big I, deal at the time for you? Oh, it was, it was huge. I mean you had to get a certain score to get into certain colleges. And mm-hmm. I know it's changed over the years, but it was huge. Mm-hmm. And um, I took it my junior year, bombed. And my senior year, I rushed through it because I actually had a track meet that day. And I like, they actually let me out early. I finished it, rushed out. And it turns out that I ended up getting like a 1320 on it. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I just, I rushed right through it because our track meet, our our meet was 45 minutes away and it started at 12 and I was running the first event. So it was just like, yeah, wow. but the SAT prep was huge in our area. Just now, did you guys get the opportunity? Because I, I remember we did where they would take your best of each. Yes. If you yes. took it twice and combine. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, yes, I actually think I got the same exact score on both times, but I inverted so I was able to combine mm. both, and I want to oh, say nice. my combined yeah. was around where you were, Mike, like thirteen twenty yeah. or something, something th- like that. Combined. I think they, I think they did that up until like two thousand or something that they mm-hmm. they did that. And I know people that took it three or four times. Right, and they just take your but, best too. But it, but who, and now you have to take it like it's mandatory. Right. Mm. Um, did you take the PSATs? Yes, I did, and I also took an SAT prep course. Right. In yeah, school. I wow. I in I in school. But the PSATs, it, it's, it was stupid. You paid right. for was it your, and it didn't count. Um, I was going to say, so, yeah, PSAT, I, I know I did that my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. SAT, yes. I took twice my junior year. I might have taken it again my senior year. I can't. I might have done it three times. I can't remember. I know I, I know it was just a pure practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which was stupid because you still paid for it. Well, <laughs> you yeah, you still. Right. Yeah. I mean, practice, did you guys? Like and shit. and you know what sucked? It was a Saturday morning. Yes. Oh, yeah, always. Mm-hmm. As we yeah. see here. They were. Uh, they sure were. It was tough being friends with Andy Flanagan too. When he got like, I think he got like a fifteen something or whatever. Oh, <laughs> shit. Tough being yeah, best I, friends with the genius. I don't think I broke the. I don't think I broke the twelve hundreds even with a, a. Well, maybe with a combined score, but now, not as not as well as what it sounds like you guys landed on. But see, I don't even um, know what it is yeah. like this year. This these days, right? I, I just know it's totally idea. different. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely changed. My son takes them 
uh, soon, so have an idea. So you find out. You That'll can circle fun. back. All right, so we go back to the Walsh house. Brenda, Don, and Kelly are studying up for the SATs now uh, in Brenda's room. And or no, maybe it was Kelly's room. Actually, it was Kelly's. I think they're at Kelly's. Yeah, yeah they're at Kelly's. They go through some big words and making jokes. And Kelly starts asking about the difference. Like, what does malignant mean? What does benign mean? And we realize she's reading a self, uh, basically a pamphlet about self-testing for breast cancer. And it says it's not too early to check. And Brenda reveals that, yeah, she had an aunt pass away two years ago at age 35 from breast cancer. So we're kind of getting heavy out of the gate here. Kelly on the spot does the self-test after hearing Brenda talk about her aunt. And so do Donna and Brenda. They're all clear on the left. Kelly says Brenda should have Dylan run the test on her right one for her. Uh, But Brenda kind of hesitates and tells her to shut up and then tries the right. And, you know, Donna and Kelly right away, like, all good. And Brenda kind of hesitates and says she's good. But it's clear that something is up. Uh, So she goes back home and she's still doing the self-test and she's nervous. Uh, Parents are yelling at her to come down for dinner. And Bran is making jokes. He says, there's a water shortage out there. You're taking long showers. Uh, then they crack on Kelly studying. It's him and his parents. He's kind of taking shots at everyone here. <laughs> uh, Brenda comes down. She says she's sick of worrying about the SAT. She's done. She's just going to expect the worst. And if she gets surprised, she gets surprised. And Brandon says it's all mass hysteria and not worth the stress. Um, all right. So one, let's get one last scene. Then we'll kind of catch up with you guys on this. So Brenda yep. pulls Cindy into her room. And tells her about the breast issue. She's feeling some kind of lump. Cindy goes to test it and feels it too, but tries to keep calm. Uh, Brenda's kind of embarrassed. And Cindy says, look, it's fine. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Brenda even says, like, don't tell dad. Uh, And Cindy says, we're going to go get checked in the morning. We'll be okay. And I thought this was pretty good Cindy momming. Mike, you know, she kind of keeps Brenda real calm through what could have been a tense issue. We'll see in a minute that Cindy's freaking out, but we're not going to get there yet. So what did you think of this initial, like, the girls doing the check into Brenda telling Cindy about what she found. I mean, I think this was around the time where they were really pushing it, you mm-hmm. know, for, for women and even like teenagers to, to get checked. Um, I know there was a big, th- they had like a huge assembly for just girls in our school. And I think this was one of the subjects and stuff, but it definitely, you can definitely tell, like, when you look at her, you know, just the reaction on her face. Now, who knows if, like, girls all went home and did this together. But, you know, it, it's definitely, I think it's also one of Cindy's best performance. Like, it's just, she's being a mom. <laughs> you, know, you know, for once. You know, it just seems like she's always worried and not sure. But I think this was a good scene for her. I did too. I, I kind of like this whole sequence actually. Uh, where you know we open with a pretty lighthearted, um, the three girls studying at at Kelly's, and um, I mean we get this pretty big info dump of Brenda's tragic family history, um, as she recalls her her aunt Sheila's battle with breast cancer at a pretty young age. And um, I also liked how Kelly kind of takes the lead in this scene. Like she's the first person mm-hmm. to initiate like, OK, I'm going to just give myself a self breast exam right here. It feels very true to her character, um, as we've seen in some you know previous episodes, like dealing with sex and like, you know, the, the infamous AIDS episode and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the STD Coke. type stuff. <laughs> Coke Coke. Yeah, it's it, it, this feels like a very Kelly move to just you know, not fuck around with any of these serious issues. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I just like that 
touch that it that no pun intended that it's um kelly to sort of step up first um you know you know of course this this is here uh this kind of breast cancer this lump scare for brenda for melodrama and it it certainly ties into the overall test theme of the episode um but i don't know i i think it's also just valuable and Mm -hmm. virtuous of the show for for young women who would have been watching at the time to see a scene like this with three young women like actually i am i'm positive like lots of girls around that age Mm -hmm. on that night probably did the same thing right i mean i would assume yeah Yeah. um so yeah i i think the one thing you can say about this program is that in its early days they've took very seriously their role of like in, you know, putting these these things out there for people of this age. So, like, mm-hmm. it's clear that that was a goal of theirs was to present these scenarios and situations in a real way, um, in prime time for you know teenagers to understand like that they're not alone, that these problems exist, how you can handle them. Like it, it definitely seems to be something they took. They felt like they were taking on as a role, right? And, and just to normalize these topics and conversations that might have been considered more taboo at the time. Um, Definitely, as you know, compared to today, uh, but even by today's standards, I, I just think that's a, a good scene to have in a show like this. Um, also sort of appreciated Cindy having arguably the more alarmist reaction to this. Mm-hmm. She, she's not full on flipping out in front of Brenda, but you can tell right. this is weighing on her way more than I mean, Brenda's going to get there, but. Brenda is sort of trying to take it in stride. Like she, she understands it's very unlikely. This is anything actually um, life threatening or serious. Like don't panic yet. And Cindy's like kind of already there. Uh, Cause she's thinking I just lost my fucking sister to this. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I thought this was played very realistically for what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Cindy's talking to Jim and she's kind of pissed off that they have no family physician and she's like, you know, if we can't find someone, I'm flying Brenda to Minnesota to go back to her old doctor. And Jim says, look, I'll find a doctor from our colleague as soon as I get to the office. And Cindy's like, number one priority. As soon as you get in, you got to find someone. And she wants to get Brenda in today ASAP, uh, which seemed to me uh, like impossible, but <laughs> like what she said, yeah. a very Herculean task that Jim would get to work ask around find a reputable I mean, right yeah and get an appointment all the same day um don't they have friends who have doctors <laughs> like they haven't established many friends yet honestly like I don't know. no but i mean yeah. you, you figured kelly oh right somebody... she's, she's like embarrassed to talk about it right so yes yes she's kind of relying <laughs> yeah, on she her. hasn't told anyone else yet and you, you also sort of wonder like you know maybe kelly and some of some of brenda's friends are like seeing these rich Beverly Hills doctors who are going to be way booked up and impossible to get an appointment with right away. They just, they just want a regular like family physician, which still same day. I mean, in Los Angeles seems, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but I don't know. It's, it is 1991. Maybe, maybe things are different. It is different. Like you can tell us. Less people exist. Uh, Cindy, so Cindy says her sister never had a good doctor. That was a problem. She never got checked. And then she went to chemo. Chemo was a mistake. And Jim's like, look, and you're spiraling. Like it's, it's a different situation. Not everyone's the same. Yes. She didn't get checked. She never went to doctor. Like Brenda's going to like, we're okay. And he does a good job calming her. 
then Brenda comes in and like Jim kind of lets on that he knows and she gets like so pissed at him. Um, she's like, see, I told you not to tell him. And he's like, it's okay. Like, I'm not worried. Like, she's like, don't worry, dad. He's like, I'm not worried. Well, why aren't you worried? <laughs> it's like, the guy he's stammering all over the place. Uh, so Brenda is kind of taking all of her anxiety out on him pretty much. Um, you know, Brenda's mad that Cindy told him and then Brandon comes in is like, what's up? And they all just ignore him. <laughs> and then it's that scene. So I don't know. I, I kind of liked, um, I kind of like this little family moment. I thought it was good. Like it was played a little bit for comedy, but not enough where it's like making light of the situation. Um, so I thought it was, I thought it was well done. I thought this was showed some good Walsh family unity. Yeah, I agree. It's a serious issue, but for now we're trying to keep things light and we, we've still got quite an episode left to go. So I'm glad they're not laying it on too thick yet. Um, Brenda's the way she goes at Jim is a, a very Brenda thing to do, but um, he's he's gonna suck it up, go into work, and st- start asking around. I guess that's his that's his mission. And Brandon's got a lot to focus on, also with uh, the SAT. So why why are we gonna worry him over something that may ultimately turn out to be nothing uh, within the next twenty four hours? Right. So I get it. Uh, so we see the crew in school. They're kind of snoozing through anatomy class. Uh, Cindy, who's dressed up like she's going to like a fancy dinner. Oh, yeah. Uh, walks into the school and she pulls Brenda. Brenda's super embarrassed because mom's coming to get her. But once they get outside, she's feeling better because Cindy says, I got a highly recommended doctor that'll squeeze you in. But it had to be at two o'clock. And Brenda's excited. It's a female doctor. So she's uh, thrilled about that. So she's all smiles. They head off and meet Dr. Donovan. Uh, she doesn't seem too concerned at first, but when she sees the history of cancer and the, and the paperwork, she starts to get a little more concerned. We also find out that Cindy is only 42 here, which is mm-hmm. kind of mind blowing because, and Mike, you probably feel, feel even older than I do, but she's basically my age. Um, but when wait, you see 20, them, these, yeah, but she says my sister, 40, wait, yeah. yeah. 42, I'm just trying to do the math here, and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> well, she said something like that, right? Her sister was... Her sister gets, was 35 when oh, yeah. she died. Yeah, and she gives it away through what, whatever oh, yeah. it is. I was able to figure out the math. I forget how, but she basically... I realized she's like 42. She's like four years, five years younger than her. She was 35. She died seven years. It was something like that, or two yeah, years younger. Yeah, her younger sister, and yeah. the sister was gives 35. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's only 42, which is, just, again, crazy to me because they always seem so older throughout they the series. Do. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the first season. So we're we're thinking of maybe later in the show when they are going to be a little bit older. But then again, I mean, they're only it's isn't it crazy to think that uh, spoiler folks, but the, the elder Walsh's are only on it for the first five mm-hmm. years. Yeah, I just think we see so much of them early we on do. that it feels like more. It definitely tapers as we go, but these first few seasons are very heavy, at least yeah. through the Dylan stuff later. Um, oh, yeah. All right, so Brenda says she did feel something originally when she was playing volleyball. I, th- I think she said volleyball. Uh, she thought it was just a bruise. Instead, he's kind of like, well, you didn't say anything? And she's like, well, you know, you just, I didn't think of anything of it until Kelly read the pamphlet. Uh, Dr. Donovan asks Cindy to step outside. She tells Brenda they have a confidential relationship. She can come see her anytime for anything she needs. Uh, we then get the full test and some questions. Uh, we find out that she wants to do a needle biopsy to see what's what. Brenda says she's afraid of needles. Uh, a lot of heavy PSA vibes here, extremely detailed. We'll get to the test in a second, but this was like, again, it felt so PSA-like because they're stepping you through 
every consideration, everything you would need to do, um, you know, in a situation like this and like what the concerns could be, what the test would be like, like it really felt like a health class <laughs> seminar um, mm-hmm. with how in depth they went. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And again, I, I still think this is a pretty good scene because once again, it's it's showing the viewers kind of what you might expect mm-hmm. if you're experiencing something along these lines. It's it's not just, okay, I found a lump, now what? It's, it's kind of walking you through, well, they're going to do this, they're going to ask you these questions, um, you're going to meet with somebody in, in this kind of environment, and this is what that might lead to with the needle biopsy, so... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I understand why it's there. And I, again, uh, sort of admire the fact that it's there, but Mike, to your point, uh, this is where I totally get how it, it does start to feel like the, as you put it, the, the after school, uh, afternoon special. <laughs> well, I was actually going to go like this scene is actually more than that because the afternoons, the, those Saturday or not Saturday, the ABC afternoon specials that you'd see after school school was more along the lines like on the past episodes of you know with brandon drinking and then Mm -hmm. or or having sex this is more this is definitely to me the first episode that actually broke out of that right you know like full full blown broke out of it and went more this is almost like you know how like every sitcom has that one serious episode Issue, every year, yeah, and, and it's very special like, episode. Yes, and I think this is something like that, and it actually, to me, you know, as we we'll we'll talk about later on my experience through the show, this is the first time that I was like, whoa, you know, that this is a, right. it's, it's not campy, you know, because sometimes you know there are situations mm-hmm. where a little campy. This is like really serious. Yeah, no, they're playing it straight, a hundred percent. And like I said, it's almost like a health class uh, video or a PSA along those lines. Like it's way more than what we normally get. Uh, we go back to school where Andrea catches up with Steve, who's on his way to Alfred B. Cook. He lets her know, um, <laughs> and she grills him for tips and ideas. And she basically begs Steve to go over his house to study. And he's like, oh, well, it's a date. Uh, so uh, Steve feeling himself with Andre a little bit. Uh, she says she wants the, and by the way, I just picked up the irony that Alfred B. Cook, and we have Michael Cook as our guest. Uh, as I wrote, <laughs> she, wants the, she wants the cook advantage. We all need the cook advantage. Um, and he gives her his address and says it's a date, 8 p.m. And then Andre just starts rambling on about reputation and this and that. She's just like a fucking mess. And she's like, all right, I'll see you later. I'll take the notes. Like, you'll be fine. Um, but she's like, make sure you take good notes for me. So she is like spiraling hard and Steve may be her white knight. So we'll see. Uh, Brenda gets the needle test. And we, again, we see the whole thing. Like, it's very intense. Like Brenda's laying there. They set her up. They talk about the needle. We see the needle go in. Uh, Brenda says she didn't feel it because they kind of do the old distraction trick like you do on like a four-year-old and she doesn't even realize it happened um but dr donovan says look i didn't like it was easy to go in with the needle so that means there's no cyst so we do need a biopsy and this is when cindy starts to panic now uh donovan says the risk is very low but she you know can't rule it out and then cindy's like i want to talk to you and she says no like brenda's my patient i can't talk to you without her there and we find out 81% of these are benign. And even beyond that, it's, you know, the risks are even lower 
given Brenda's age, but because of the family history, it can't be ruled out. They need to do a test. And the soonest opening they have, of course, for this biopsy is Saturday, which is the same day as the SATs. Uh, so, Mike, what did you think of this whole, you know, Andre and Steve and then also like the, the big test? Well, the Andre and Steve is definitely not expected. Mm. But then again, Steve being swarmy, like, yeah, hey, come on over, you know. But, you know, you move on to the the hospital, you know, the scene where she's getting the shot. First of all, I'm f- I am 47 years old and I still can't get a shot. <laughs> so the whole distraction, like I need to be distraction when my kids get a shot. <laughs> but mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really, really intense. I mean, it's, you know, just something you wouldn't expect from someone who hasn't seen any of these shows. It's definitely something I wasn't expecting to see. Right. Yeah, they're they're really sort of walking you down the, I won't say worst case scenario, but what could be the worst case scenario. Like they're not going to rule anything out just yet, even though in a in a more realistic situation for a, a, a young woman who is experiencing maybe what Brenda is here, you maybe it maybe doesn't go quite this far. Um, but they're they're gonna go pretty much they're going to take it as far as they can here because this is their one good opportunity to do it here within the show um that needle does look quite terrifying (laughs) it was Um, long i I mean i can't say i have a particular issue with needles but that um that what's the longest needle you've ever gotten or what's like the roughest spot um I mean, just like getting a shot in the ass is always more painful than <laughs> right. probably anywhere else in the body. But I've never gotten like a major intense, like hypodermic kind of like I've never had anything like I've had that. two kind yeah. of rough ones. I had um, really? like a cortisone before, which mm. kind of hurt for like a heel spur. Um, but the worst was when I was dealing with alopecia and I got a steroid Ooh. injection in my head. Yeah. Oh, to help regenerate the hair growth that hurt <laughs> that was, that was oh, probably wow. the roughest needle experience i've had that sounds um, like it would what my freshman year i got i i the was supposed to get an iv and the nurse missed my vein like four times oh yes that's oh. that that is why like needles now i'm like no and that, you know that happened to you one just, time given blood i mean i give i was getting blood work done and she hit the nerve in my arm like it was about a good two months that if i stretched my arm out i could feel it from my elbow to my wrist yeah um it didn't hurt but it was like um you could just feel it like it was aggravated yeah it was a good two or two months at least that it took like to get better um yeah so now i know if i ever feel that while i'm getting blood taken to say something right away uh don't just let it happen you know Right. I'm I'm trying to think like definitely like getting an injection of something like a, a lidocaine, um, mm-hmm. you know, for if you're uh, definitely I've had stitches a few times. So those those are kind of unpleasant. But right. I'm actually thinking I've had some oral surgeries mm-hmm. and yes. yeah, I mean, the, getting a shot, the thought of getting a shot in the mouth and the gum somewhere is tends to be worse than the reality but it's still no picnic like, yeah that's... and those and those needles are huge too mm-hmm. some of those they, they're yeah they're pretty big right um and they often like 
I don't know. I feel like they they have to do it in so many places, so many different times before it really is effective. So it's like that kind of waiting period where you're like, uh, I can still feel shit. I hope they're not about to start. You know, it's, yeah, it's especially unpleasant. Yeah, and then they lie to you and say, oh, it's not going to hurt. Yeah, <laughs> until, yeah mm-hmm. it's Novocaine. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's a lie. All right, Cindy and Jim are in the kitchen. They're cutting onions, um, and Cindy's freaking out. Jim's trying to calm her, and they kind of start hugging, and Jim's tearing up for the onions, and Cindy's crying because she's crying. And Brenda comes in and is like, stop talking behind my back, and now you're all upset. And they're like, no, no, it's the onions. Um, Then Brandon comes in, and he's like, look, what's going on? And Brenda tells him, like, you know, I got this lump. I I have to get a biopsy. And you can tell he's kind of struggling to process, but then he makes a joke that, hey, at least you get to skip the SATs on Saturday. So try to break the ice a little bit. Uh, We then go over to Casa Sanders, where Steve and Andrea are in his room. They're on his bed. They get some music cranking along. Steve's giving her the test tips he got from Alfred B. Cook. And Andrea's all in. She's, like, very into what's going on. And it felt very 90s to me, like the music playing on the bed, studying. I mean, maybe that's still a thing, but I don't know. It just felt 90s to me. It Uh, does, yeah. Especially the music part. Steve says her problem is that she outsmarts herself. Like, she should just take it as it comes. And then looks at Andrea and says, you know what? You're pretty cute with all your glasses on, which is such a, I don't know if it's a backhanded compliment or not, but uh, then he makes a move and he, he plants one on her. They start making out. She dips out quick and it's like, I got to go. I got to go. Cuts things off. And he's like, now, you know, he's like so shocked that this girl, Andrea, would like not take advantage of the situation. You know, Steve wants to get with her. Um, the stud. Uh, so she thanks him for the help and takes off. And Steve is aggravated. Does like a, a moonsault onto his bed. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, Tim. We I didn't have any recollection of this Steve Andrea tease at all. So it caught me off guard. I actually did recall this scene. I just had no idea it was in this episode. I, I thought it was maybe in our next one, just because uh, Brenda and everything she's going through is is such a heavy topic. I I didn't think that this. <laughs> This little um, romantic pairing had had any place here in this one in this storyline. So I was very taken aback just by the timing, but but I knew it was coming up. Um, and I don't know. I've, it, it is weird that it is such a isolated thing that happens mm. between these two characters who otherwise don't have mm. a ton of interactions. I mean, even throughout the series i'll just i'll just say it like but at the same time i i do enjoy seeing andrea interact with uh the male the extended male cast of this show other than just brandon uh she's sort of formed a relationship with brenda like they did the slumber party episode mm-hmm. so you get some some kelly donna stuff in there too but really um i don't think she's had a single conversation with dylan or david or even steve up to this point and we go from that to full-on makeout about it um i also think that her her anxiety where she's really playing against type throughout this entire episode um i I know we aren't often um the the nicest um critics of andrea but I, i think she's quite cute in this episode honestly and you know, the way she gathers herself and runs out the doors, uh, pretty funny in just a romantic comedy sort of way. And then Steve doing the, the cart, the, the somersault onto his bed. Like, I can't believe I did that, but I'm sort of into it at the same time. It just, it, 
it worked for me. It, it shouldn't, but it did. It just, and I think too, I part of the good chemistry, I guess what it comes down to. I really did think they had, yeah, look, listen, these old people making out on the show had good chemistry. <laughs> they are probably the closest in age of, of the younger. Kids. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I felt the same way. And I think that, um, I, I think, yeah, I felt like it had no place, but this has been their trend, right? That they try to, um, put some levity in when they also have like a serious a line going on. So yeah, that's what this felt like to me was like, we got a lot of heavy shit going on with Brenda. So we're going to make this other story kind of, um, just a little lighter and a little more standard for what you would expect, you know, simple. And I like that it comes in this form. I, I totally agree with that. And I, I appreciate that that levity comes in, in the form of some genuine, character development rather than like a stupid uh somebody fails their driving test or kelly and and uh brenda are crappy babysitters or whatever <laughs> we saw in some of those earlier episodes this works a lot better mm-hmm. what did you think mike of uh, the steven andre in the bedroom i mean definitely shocked by it um but it's steve sanders so in you know, when you're watching it, oh, he's thinking of something. Oh, inviting someone to his house at 8 o'clock. But, I mean, I have to agree with you guys with the chemistry. I mean, it just seems like they really had good chemistry. And from what you guys are saying, it's just shocking that they don't go any further with it later on down the road. Right. I agree. I'm not sure why they decided that. Yeah, this is not something to pursue, but to them, it just seemed to be a filler. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, we go back to the Walsh house. Brenda and Brandon are looking back at pictures of their aunt. They're kind of, you know, talking about all the stuff she went through and dealt with. And Brandon says that he's going to protect Brenda um, from going through this bad stuff. And Brenda says, no one can protect you. Like, this is it. Like, you can't do shit. <laughs> uh, if, it's, if it's cancer, it's cancer. Uh, we then get Brandon and Andrea. They meet on the campus green. Andrea says she can't eat. She's so stressed about the SATs and they have some serious news to share with each other. Uh, Brandon goes first. He tells Andrea about the lump and he swears her to secrecy. He just says he's got to tell someone he's flipping out inside. He's trying to stay strong at home. Andrea does her best to keep him positive. And after that news, Andrea chickens out and doesn't tell about Steve, which obviously she was going to do uh, before that. Brenda then sees Kelly and Donna and tells them what's going on. They kind of talk through it, but Kelly and Donna are a little, I don't want to say vapid about it, but they're kind of like, oh, I hope nothing happens to our, our boobs, you know, basically, sorry. Um, and it's almost like an awkward, you know, you get bad news from a friend, you don't know how to react initially kind of thing, especially when you're 16. Um, Dylan comes up to Brenda at her locker and kind of grabs her from behind and basically like wraps his arms around her boobs. And she flips out, like, stop, don't grab me like that. And Dylan says, I guess the SAT stress is getting to everyone. And says, I'm not even taking it this year. I'm just going to take it next year one time and I'm done. I'm going surfing Saturday. Uh, Brenda gives him a hug and tells him about the lump. And again, he does a good job, too. He kind of keeps her calm, says, I want to go to the hospital. I want to be there for you. And Brenda says, I don't want you there. And now we kind of cut and they're walking. He's walking her home and he's like, I'm going to be there. And she's like, I don't want you there. Things change. You won't even touch me now. And Dylan's like, I was just scared. Like, you just told me like this big bomb, you know. 
Um, and he says that, you know, he loves her, but she doesn't believe him and just walks off back in the house. So, uh, again, like Jim, Dylan kind of took the brunt of Brenda's like anxiety on this. And when he didn't really do anything wrong at all, Mike, but, um, what do you think of this kind of sharing of the friends? Yeah. Like you said, with, you know, it just seems, you know, you awkward, you know, teenagers, you don't know how to react I mean, shit, as adults, most of us don't know how to react if someone comes up to you and go, hey, I have a lump on my breast. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, you, you're not – they're sensitive but not sensitive. You know, just it, – it's tough to tough to react to that. And, you know, Dylan, poor Dylan, he just gets <laughs> – it just seems like she is down his throat and not in a good way every episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of it is like probably the sexual anxiety and, and like nerves of like, you know, yeah. kind of like wants to take the next step, but does not And it's like weighing on her. So she's probably kind of, you know, feeling a little sick about it and just kind of taking it out on him. So, and yeah, there's Brent- certainly something to that. Um, when you look at Kelly's reaction in particular, it's a classic case of just kind of saying the wrong thing because you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm where she sort of focuses on more of the, I don't know, superficial aspect of this. But as we're going to find out um, coming up here in a, a subsequent scene, that is weighing pretty heavily on Brenda's mind. Not just I might have cancer, but what all that entails. Like even if, you know, we 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 caught it early, we, we um, cut it out, we do whatever we have to do. It's like, where does that leave me? Um, right which I'm glad they they did not ignore that issue again for a 16-year-old girl um body image is not something to be that that is going to be tread you're going to tread lightly um on on something like this so you got to figure that's informing a lot of her her interactions with Dylan who otherwise is rather more sensitive in his um reaction than than some of the others uh which is good a very Dylan thing but I was afraid he might not even make an appearance in this episode, honestly, because it's kind of late, kind of late in, the, in our runtime here where, where he just shows up out of yes. nowhere like this. But um, I think it's welcome. Mike, I'm sorry. I, I stepped on what you were about to say. I don't remember at this point. <laughs> well, Very I'll pick good. it up. Brenda and Sydney catch up. <laughs> Brenda says she's scared about losing a breast. What if she's going to only, you know, have it taken out? Yeah, there it and, is. And uh, she wouldn't be able to date anymore. And Cindy says, look. You're fine. If Aunt Sheila had been this proactive at her age, at your age, she probably would have been fine, too, because they might have caught it. Brenda then melts down and Sydney calms her. Brenda asks her to leave because she wants to make a phone call in private. And she calls Dylan. He doesn't pick up. But she just says, I love you, too, on the answer machine. So it's it's been a tough, tough day for Brenda here. It's a tough couple of days. She's pushing through. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Michael, that we didn't have, like, the campiness. And I was afraid we were going to kind of get it here as we have a nightmare sequence and we've had these a few times with Brenda and they've usually been goofy, uh, but they keep this one pretty straightforward where basically the nightmare is about her funeral, but it's taking place during the SATs in the classroom. Uh, You know, her family and her friends are all there and they're all ignoring her. She's kind of grilling them about, you know, how they feel about her. And it's just, it's a normal like anxiety nightmare. Uh, and they keep it pretty straightforward. So I was afraid it was going to be like the from the, the car car racer one or whatever that, that we had with that. <laughs> that was a little stupid. Um, <clears throat> so Cindy wakes up Brenda. She said, I'll let you sleep in, but we got to go. Brandon comes in and gives her some positive vibes. He said it to the SATs. 
Uh, we cut ahead to the hospital where Jim and Cindy are talking to Dr. Donovan. She's prepping them, says, you know, she's going to go through the procedure and results will be in two to three hours after uh, things are done. The uh, so then we head to the OR to get the procedure underway. So I'm just going to go through kind of these next couple of scenes and then we'll uh, regroup. So we go back to the classroom and we see Steve and Andrea sprinting from different ends of the hallway to get to the SAT. And they kind of meet in the middle and talk about what happened the other night. And they both are like, look, it's a thing that happened. It was a mistake. We're not going to make a good couple. And then the proctor opens the door and is like, will you two lovebirds come in? And everyone hears it because he says it loudly. And it's a pretty funny bit. Brandon and Kelly look at each other. Of course, you know, Kelly's got the history of Steve. Brandon's kind of got the thing on Andrea. And they're like lovebirds. And that's we kind of leave it there with Steve and Andrea. But um, they definitely left it open enough that you could think maybe – you know, something uh, mm-hmm. something could come of it. So let's pause there for a minute. So we haven't got to the full operation yet because I got stuff to say about that. We'll get there in a minute. But Tim, what do you think of kind of the, the setup, uh, the nightmare, and then the lovebird stuff, which I thought was, was pretty funny? Yeah, if there's anything I could remove from this episode, it would be that, that nightmare scene. Um, just because, it, I mean, this had gotten... We started out... Um, light and more realistic and more cautious and now as things have ramped up um it it's getting pretty heavy you know we're we're getting down to we're 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 building to um what is ultimately going to be like our our big reveal like is is brenda truly okay here or is this going to become something we're going to continue to track um for for her character and for the show um but then to to have this, I don't know, sort of dropped in, I always feel like these things are done just to eat up some time um, in these, you know, 45-minute episodes without commercials. I, I guess I'm, I'm not going to be super harsh on it just because it's, it's, it isn't anything we haven't seen before, to your point. Like, there's been dumber examples of this. Um, and here it does play out just sort of as a, a – um, typical teenage anxiety dream um again informed by not just the the sat test going on but you know brenda's having an altogether different test the same day that's you know pretty much superseding that so um i I don't know i don't i don't love that dream i think it's just Mm -hmm. morbid morbid and over the top given what has been a a fairly grounded if heavy presentation of of this issue in our in our very special episode but that's neither here nor there um uh yeah steve and and andrea uh having their little uh yeah you can tell it it feels like a setup for something in the future where they're oh we'd be such a terrible couple like mutually waving it off which it seems like these dramas only do that to let the viewer know, okay, strap in for more of this, basically, because they're saying it's not, that's never going to happen again. That's code for, of course, it's going to happen again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just, again, I, I hate to spoil our, our listeners and our viewers, but Thanks. we really don't get more. Of, yeah, we really don't get more of these guys, these two. Um, so if, you know, I, I guess that's maybe letting you down lightly if you're really, um, anticipating a big Steve Andrea romance or something. Um, Brenda, Brandon and Kelly's reaction is great. I, I just, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that scene. I, it just, in spite of maybe the show 
dropping that as a potential subplot. I right. I liked what we got of it. And you know what? Like, yeah, it's weird. It doesn't go anywhere, but I don't know. That's kind of high school, right? I, yeah, I mean, sometimes those like, things happen. You just have the random hookup and move along, and that's it. Like, it just never happens again, and it was a weird night. You made out. You were, you know, whatever, feeling it, and move along, right? Yep. You're kind of supposed to do that at that age. So, like, nothing Maybe, maybe nothing you bad. joke about it years later. Yeah, Yeah, you know, he didn't. You know, I was kind of, I was like proud of Steve, but I'm glad they didn't do like he forced himself on her or tried to pressure her. Like they kept it light, you know, they, they made it like Steve was genuinely interested in her. Like it didn't feel like he was just looking to get laid and then toss her aside. Right. They kind of played it like, you know, he kind of likes her. Like she's, you know, you kind of get a vibe from her and went for it. So like, I was glad they took that route because it would have been easy with the way they presented Steve in season one to make it awkward or make it where he's pressuring her or being a jerk yeah like uh, he's being a player just using this whole pretense as as a setup for right to um but. yeah and it really wasn't it just seemed like he he invited her over yeah mm-hmm. they're being very flirtatious but one thing did lead to another and it was a very mutual uh yes <laughs> they I mean, changed did grab him. They had. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah it was good uh any thoughts mike before we move on i I definitely agree that it it was it was a funny when when you see Brandon and Kelly, but like the two of them together, like the other two, you know, Steve and Andrea, you know, now that I know that nothing happens of it, but you would you would think that again, like you guys said, it would foreshadow for something. But I am I thought they were going to go. I guess if it was another episode, you would expect Steve going going hey she ran off on me and tried to be a jerk about it you know (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so i am i mean because that's his character right that's but i'm glad that again like you said that they that they didn't go that route and it was just almost like a little humorous Mm -hmm. type thing but now i'm kind of disappointed that there's no chance (laughs) because you figure that right that that, because because something like that you would expect even if it's two seasons down the line in a random episode. Do you remember this? Hey, you know, yeah. type of deal. Yeah. I have no memory of any reference of it. So it was, I mean, I could be wrong. So I don't remember this. So like, I could definitely be off. I don't, I just don't feel like it's anything that ever goes anywhere. And, and about the nightmare thing, it's just bad. I mean, this, yeah, that, that is been one thing that I've definitely not liked through the seat, through the show is these weird, things i mean this you could have not had this scene and nothing would have changed the show right yeah we didn't need it we already we know that brenda's going through so much anxiety as it is like we didn't we didn't need the dream um to push her there uh all right so we're on the operating table brenda finds out she can't shower for two days she's not, not happy about that and she's asked a lot of questions um i don't know why brenda's awake during this like i guess it's a local anesthetic but like mm-hmm. It felt like she's 16. She's having a lump removed from her breast. Like, I think we could have knocked her out, you know? <laughs> like, she's doing a comedy routine, like, as she's, like, removing this potentially cancerous tumor from her breasts. Um, it just felt like a little bit much. Like, especially just seeing her head behind yeah. the curtain. Um, it, just, it felt like like the Muppets or something. I don't know. It was just weird the way they did it. Uh, it would have been better, I think, if they just kind of put her under and we didn't have her asking a million questions. But again, I guess it's meant to be... Um, 
a PSA type thing, right? Like here's like yeah, uh, here's yeah. the questions you may want to ask, right? As you're doing this. So that's what we get. Um, we cut to the SATs. Brandon is struggling and eventually just throws the towel in, throws his pencil down and talks to the proctor and leaves. Uh, we go back to the hospital. Cindy is like freaking out, talking about her sister again. Jim's trying to calm her. He's, he's like, this isn't the same as Aunt Sheila. It's, it's not going to be like that. Jim says he's not scared until there's something to be scared about, which is a good life lesson for all you kids out there. Uh, Brandon then pops in and says he couldn't focus on the SATs. He'll make, they said he could make it up given the circumstances. You know, they're not going to pressure him into taking them. Brandon gets wheeled out, says they can go home and wait. We'll wait a couple hours. Uh, and then she looks in the mirror. She's all freaked out because her hair is a mess. Uh, in comes Dylan with some flowers. And he said he went to five hospitals. Uh, I guess there's five hospitals in L.A. Uh, in Beverly Hills. And she never said which she was going to be at. And I actually thought I don't think they did this on purpose, but I thought it was a nice callback to the Palm Springs when Dylan oh, the hotel. Did, yeah, they get the hotel mm -hmm. mixed up. Remember? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but it was kind of a cool, cool tie in. Um, anyway, so we go back to the Walsh house. It's been three hours of waiting. Kelly and Donna come in. They have flowers in a gift basket and they kind of apologize for the awkward just talk and they hug. Uh, then the phone rings. Brenda gets the call. And I was kind of glad they don't do the fake out or the tease. Like it's pretty obvious right away uh, that she's good. She kind of smiles and says, thank you. Everyone's celebrating. Uh, she tells us the reason. She says it's raging hormones and elevated estrogen basically caused caused a tumor. Um, and Dylan gets a funny line in. He's like, or she's like, I guess my hormones are raging. And Dylan's like, you're telling me <laughs> to Brandon, uh, which was funny. And then we kind of wrap up with the usual, you know, we're in the bedroom and Brandon and Brenda kind of recap how things went, which is the usual ending to these episodes. So, I, you know, overall, this is a weird one. Uh, it was important. I, I do think it was important as a PSA. And that's been one of the goals of the show. Not a lot here from an episodic perspective. Not a lot here to enjoy. It was very heavy and intense, honestly. Um, but again, it was necessary. Like, I think they know their place in pop culture for teens. And they feel like they owe their fan base, like, to understand these types of things. So I get it, why they did it. In a rewatch, you know, 30 years later or whatever, it's, it's not as uh, compelling or gripping. So it's kind of like, well, whatever. It felt like almost. And you could tell, like... We talked about a lot less tonight, right? Because there's just less to talk about because it was all about this. It was probably one of the most heavily featured A lines we've had. We had the SAT stuff going on, but the Brenda stuff really dominated, like, I'd say 85% of the episode was about that. So it really yeah. ate up a lot. Um, I like the Steven Andrea stuff. I thought it was a fine side plot. I think we'll see more of the SAT stuff, too. Like, obviously, it's a key stage of high school. Like, it had to happen. It's going to be a plot. So we'll see more of it um but overall it was it was more of a psa than an episode to me tim yeah i can definitely see that point um you know you've got me you've got me thinking back to all of the videos i've watched as a uh prolific viewer of dr pimple popper on mm. youtube and i don't know man some of the some of the very um extraordinary things that that she extracts under just local anesthesia is, is pretty um pretty crazy to think about so so maybe this is a realistic depiction however to your point uh dr pimple popper is typically not going in in a situation where it's a 16 year old girl having a biopsy for a suspected possible um cancerous lesion mm -hmm. you know it's i mean she's all it's all very um 
Like she's she's she pretty much knows what she's dealing with. And at the end, it's like, yeah, we'll send it for testing. But it's a it's an epidermoid cyst or whatever. Right. She, you know, um, this is, like you said, a little bit more of a, a different situation and maybe under the circumstances. And maybe in 1991, you figure she would be put under for that. But but we've got to have some some dialogue to carry us through the scene. So maybe that's the one aspect that's not the most realistic, but otherwise, yeah, I, I think it's, it probably serves its purpose as a pretty effective, mm-hmm. as you put it, PSA episode. And I don't, I don't really want to go there and, and dwell on it too much, but given sort of the, the circumstances of what Shannon Doherty has dealt with in real life in recent yes. years, it's, it's yep. a rather haunting episode as well. Um, I mean, I, I kind of forgot that they did this with Brenda's character mm-hmm. and it honestly took me about halfway through the episode before I made that connection to, oh my God, this is, you well, know. also the, when they do the reboot of 90210, doesn't she have breast cancer? I don't know if you watched that one, the one they did like in uh, the 2000s and she was in it. I'm pretty sure she has breast cancer. Oh, wow. Did they really? The, think, just yeah. the, the CW continuation thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't watch enough of that to know. Well, wow, that's even more um, chilling in some ways. But uh, I, I like the wrap up here, the conclusion where with all of the friends and family sort mm-hmm. of gathered in support of Brenda. Um, just a nice scene, and yeah, it, it's good that they don't uh, do the the fake out on the phone like we. We get the right. results. It's good that she gets the results same day for one thing. That's that's not always the case either. But um, mm-hmm. given the urgency, especially of the on a Saturday situation, yeah, on a Saturday, and yeah, we um, we wrap things up. Um, and to as as far as the um, episode as a whole, I mean, they they served us in a sense where it seems like our our main conflict is going to be this shared issue of everyone having to take the SATs and how they individually deal with that. You know, maybe some do better than others. Maybe some crumble under the pressure, some rise to the occasion, but uh, ultimately it's, it turns into a a Brenda episode um, completely where I mean, she just totally overtakes it with her much more pressing medical concern. So it kind of um, leaves the SAT stuff in the dust. But as you said, there's always an opportunity to go back and, um, deal with that. I mean, certainly retconning the characters' ages is one way to do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we can just we just revisit this whole thing next season. But um, you know, we'll see we'll see how they uh how they contend with that the next go around, perhaps. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely an unusually structured episode. Um, a strong Brenda episode and. The, the somewhat light B-plot with uh, this this romance between uh, Steve and Andrea, um, I, I really enjoyed for what it was. And as as those uh, moments of levity go, it's better than most uh, when it's uh, up against something as heavy as, as this A-plot here and, and uh, this 18th episode. So all in all, it's uh, it's a little bit uneven. It's, it's unusual, but I dug it. Any final thoughts before the awards, Mike? No, I mean, I, I really liked the episode. It definitely did not go the way 
I would think, you know, based on mm-hmm. the start, you know, like Tim said. Uh, and I do have to agree that this is probably the most heavy A plot mm-hmm. through the whole whole show. And there really isn't even a C plot. It was just, you know, there, there was nothing. It was just two things. Yeah. You know, you had the SAT slash Steve and Andrea, which you can almost lump into one. And, you know, Brenda. I mean, this is... It definitely was a PSA. Yeah. It, it it's and it's something that wasn't done much, you know, in shows back then. You know, not like not like for teen. But you, you always had everyone knows about the famous um, different strokes episode, and mm-hmm. then you know you you have all the you know you take those comedies those sitcoms throughout that like we talked about the the very special episode that always had that one general thing but i cannot remember and i probably watched almost every sitcom of the 80s and 90s and i can't remember one this early 91 92 like those years to deal with something as heavy as this and go as deep right yeah i mean like i said you were basically going through it right you know, you're in there and you're getting the full details on the doctor. You're seeing the full tests. You're understanding all the options. Like, I mean, they really took us through an entire experience if you were going through something like this. So it was interesting approach. And, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's our last filler of the season. Right, Tim? I mean, given we got only four mm-hmm. left, I'd like to see some heavy progression probably coming from here. Um, to this point, it's really, uh, you know, this didn't really progress much other than the SATs. Uh, all right, let's get to our awards. Uh, best scene, I went with Steve and Andrea studying. I thought that was the highlight of the episode for me. I agree. That that makeout was my favorite scene of this episode. That, I agree. We'll third that. <laughs> all right, most important scene. This is a tough one. It wasn't a lot here that really was important for the future of the show. Even the Steve and Andre thing goes nowhere. So, like, there's literally nothing that happens that means much besides Brenda not, you know, getting cancer. But I went with Dylan and Brandon showing up at the hospital. Like, I think it spoke to their deep down their concern, ability to put put away their selfishness, um, their character. Right. Like, I mean, they're going to be two obviously main male characters here going forward so i think you know the two of them putting aside whatever they got going on to make sure they're there out of concern like it just kind of speaks to what they're going to be so i mean that's all i kind of really could come up with here. there wasn't much else going on I, yeah i think I, I, go ahead mike you go oh, first i i think i think cindy and brenda's first scene you know their talk you know when when she reveals it um because it's the first time that I felt that Cindy wasn't either, you know, kind of ditzy or over the top. I yeah. actually, you know, I thought that was their first true mother-daughter, non-joking, non-over-the-top type thing. So I, I think that was, you know, one of the most important scenes. Th- those are both really good picks, honestly. And and for me, in the absence of something that feels really foundational to the future of the show. I think I'm just going to give it to the, uh, the three girls doing this, the self breast mm. exams, uh, yep. just because you wouldn't have seen something like that on television in 1991 on a show like this. And it's, it's not important to the overall 
show itself, but for this episode and right. for the time period and the context, it's um, I, certainly important. So it's important to see it and it's important to highlight. So that's kind of a cop out answer by me, but that's what I'm going to go with. All right. Most nineties look, I mean, it's always a ton. I, I went with Andre's study pantsuit at Steve's house for the big date. Mm. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, I know there's a lot of other options. Tim, would you have? Yeah. I mean, I've got Cindy's shoulder pads, honestly, throughout many scenes in this mm-hmm. episode, but primarily when she picks Brenda up from school, yeah, um, complimented, about. yeah. Complimented as well by Jim's uh, multicolored. I can't even call it a Cosby sweater because it's, um, I don't know. It's more geometric than <laughs> than anything we saw Cosby wear. And um, I, I mean, D- Dylan kind of had his own version of that with the weird like button up shirt with the the big sort of poofy collar. It almost looked mm-hmm. like a, a bow tie at the end. Um, I don't even. Yeah, it, not a look we'll see very often from Dylan, but certainly a very 1991 um, outfit. Oh, definitely the shoulder pads. It, mm-hmm. it, it speaks 90s. All right, most 90s moment. I'm with Kelly reading the pamphlet. I mean, this is something that wouldn't really happen these days. You'd be reading online or write something like that. Yeah. Um, but she's literally got the color pamphlet on the bed. And then also, like I talked about earlier, Steve and Andrea studying on the bed. You get the music bumping. It sounded like some early 90s hip-hop type music or something was playing. So that uh, that whole scene just screamed like 90s to be yeah the girl over studying in the room music on in the bed like that was very just a very 90s thing i went with with that ultimately steve and andrea uh studying which i don't know if this still happens with kids that age today i sort of suspect not but again the door closed oh yeah we're just gonna study music playing Mm -hmm. uh yeah where that we know where that's gonna lead so at total total 90s all the way um, I'm going to go with the whole SAT prep and taking Culture. class. I mean, because it's so different today, but that is exactly like everything they did was exactly the way it was when I was in high school. And again, right. as we talked about, I was I'm one year difference from these guys. And that's exactly, you know, the whole stress about, oh, my God, you know, colleges look at us. You, you have to get this. Or you can't get into this college. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and I mean it's definitely 90s teen if you were a teen in the 90s in high school in the early 90s that's exactly everything you went through all right best lesson learned uh to me was pretty straightforward this one it's never too early to check yourself um for cancer definitely yeah check Uh, yourself early and often best hookup again was pretty straightforward it's obviously steve and andrea Mm mm-hmm Yes, only option, but a good one. All right, I had a few best quotes. Um, you can't make up for 16 years of ignorance in one week, Brandon to Steve. Uh, I didn't want you to get upset. Uh, I'm not upset. Why not? That was Brandon, Brandon and Jim. Um, I'm not going to get scared until there's something to be scared about. That was Jim. And then I guess my hormones are raging. Tell me about it. That was Brenda and, and Dylan off to the side to Brandon. So those uh, those all made me chuckle. They're all pretty there, good. There's another good one is when Jim says it's probably nothing. It could be an ingrown hair. And Brenda's like, what? On my left, on my <laughs> that left, is this one. is exactly what I'd expect from from Brandon. Right, right. Ingrown hair. Um, I had a few of those. I will also add uh, early in the episode, Brandon 
to Andrea. I've wondered who's been masticating all the pencils around here, as we talked about. Um, and Brandon and Kelly's reaction when uh, Steve and Andrea show up late, just mm-hmm. turning in unison to one another. Lovebirds. birds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all right, final grade. Uh, I struggled with this one. Like, I didn't want to go average. I went slightly above. I, I went six out of ten, which puts it, you know, for us you know, right above the midline. Like we have a lot above that, but also some below it didn't feel bad to me. (laughs) Like I think they accomplished their goals. I get what they were trying to do. The PSA was good. It's just in the realm of, of what we're going through in the show. It didn't really like, this is really one you could have skipped and been fine, which I don't Mm -hmm. say about many of these, but like you wouldn't have really missed out on anything if you didn't see this episode that week. So six out of 10, I gave them the respect for what they tried to do and they accomplished it. I shouldn't say tried. I gave them the respect for what they did as part of their goal. And the Steven Andrew stuff was entertaining to me. So I don't know. That's right. That's where I landed. Yeah. I, I I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to be slightly more generous and give it a six and a half. Um, I don't know why other than there was a part of me that was almost leaning seven but i'm like that's that's being i don't know that's that's too high so yeah i, 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 I talked my i i kind of talked myself down but still up a little bit from where you landed mm-hmm. um only because it yes as you said it accomplishes what it set out to do um it's valuable information to have out there for for a teenage audience in the early 90s but is it the most thrilling watch for a primetime drama no not not that this show has settled into its formula yet but still i think we've seen better examples or glimmers of what the show will become um and this is not it (laughs) um i mean they definitely do deal with heavy issues later on but more in the context of truly a continuing serialized uh, teen drama and and this as you said is is more of a one-off um could easily be skipped although i don't think people should skip it uh you would be no worse off if if you mm-hmm. did see now me never seeing the show i'm gonna have a little bit different opinion than you guys now am i correct you guys were in middle school in this right or late elementary uh what are we in 91 yeah i would have been in uh sixth grade i think or fifth grade fifth or sixth so grade. i'm gonna give I would it a have seven. been in kindergarten or first <laughs> okay so yeah. so i'm gonna give it a, a seven and a half and the reason why is because you never saw this on tv okay. like you know you, you didn't see it this, this was to me an episode like this and again it'd be like you know the episode nyp or nypd blue you know, when when they showed Sipowitz, you know, it's something I, I know it's mm-hmm. <laughs> more darker, but but it's an episode that was never seen. You know, they did not focus on a show that's focused on teens, something like this. Right. Um, And I think it was ahead of its time, especially this deep, um, because uh, and I don't remember, I mean, because it was. 30 years ago but i guarantee like you guys said that all these girls you know at this time were probably doing it at the like that night i guarantee this was a big deal you know that 
Oh, like, sure. Huge. Yeah. Especially on how. Um, and, and I don't know how popular the show got at this. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's definitely not at its at its height, but I'm sure word got around pretty quickly about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit higher just because at that time, as a as a high school, you know, student, this would have hit deep, you know, for a lot of women, a lot of well, women mm-hmm. now, but it, I think. It, and maybe their mother, even their parents. All right. Uh, so let's get to our uh, categories, and then we'll get to our or should, our trackers, and we'll get to our overall ranking. Uh, only one song called out here, and that's Just the Way It Is, Baby, by the Rembrandts when Steve and Andre are kissing. So that's the song that's playing when they're studying. The rest really didn't have a ton, uh, at least to call out here. Uh, characters uh, kind of light there as well. It went with Dr. Donovan, obviously had a big presence. And I, I put the SAT proctor because he set up the Lovebirds <laughs> line. So I thought mm-hmm. it was worth calling out. Uh, Steve and Andrea, our only new relationship. And then uh, I put the hospital for a new place. And really didn't have much else beyond that uh, for places or things this episode. So anything I missed on any of those trackers? Not really. Um, no. I wonder if eventually there is going to be a hospital when they when they do a scene that's set in a hospital they will eventually figure out a, a, an exterior um establishing shot that we're mm-hmm. gonna see over and over and over throughout the show run but we don't get that yet so who knows what hospital this is could be again dylan said he went to five so who knows could, if it's could one be any. We, yeah <laughs> we have seen one hospital scene earlier in the series with mm-hmm. the uh uh, the surf Nazis and Dylan's yes, introduction, yes, right. yeah. but uh, <laughs> but otherwise we don't know if it's the same hospital or not. All right, let's uh, get to our uh, character rankings here, and then we'll wrap up. So mm-hmm. David, Scott, Nat, and Jackie all were missing, so they all get zeros. That's a tough blow for David because he's been climbing uh, lately. Yeah, been, he was bad. closing on Dylan, uh, honestly, in our last episode. So mm. this is going to be a blow to him. Uh, all right. We don't usually work top down, but I think we can pencil Brenda into number one pretty easily. I um, think so, too. Safely. And I think I could. Andrea second. I'm contemplating it. Yeah. I think I'd go Andrea. Well, I don't know. How do you factor Cindy in? So I, I think we need some combo of Andrea, Steve and Cindy here in our next three. I think, I do I think I, Cindy should be three. Yeah. And then Steve. Brenda. I like that stacking. Yeah. So just sort of, I think you need a, some kind of buffer between Brenda and Cindy. Mm. Like Cindy's good, but I don't think she's like a number two good. So it makes sense to slot Andrea right there below Brenda, then Cindy, then maybe Steve. Yeah. And then Brandon. Unless, yeah. Yeah. Brandon. I would say Kelly before Brandon. Brandon. You think so? Well, because Kelly, you know, she started off, you know, it was her mm-hmm. pamphlet and, mm-hmm. you know, them talking about it afterwards, like the awkward and then her apologizing. But I think she basically. Well, Brandon does have all the SAT stuff, too, though, which was eh, like he yeah. drove a lot of that. Uh, That's tough. Uh, what do you think, Tim? Um, my gut says Brandon, then Kelly, but they're really neck and neck. That's, minus that's, a typical, Out, see, outvoted. that's a typical. You're outvoted. Cook. The Alfred B. Cook. You're done. <laughs> uh, all right. So if we do that, them two, then I guess we have 
what's left? Dylan, Donna, and Jim. Would you have Jim or Dylan higher? I'll let you pick this one, Mike, since we overruled you. Jim. Okay. He had a couple good one-liners. All right, so Jim, then Dylan, then Donna. I, I agree with that. Uh, Jim had a stronger presence here than than Dylan did, who showed up way late, um, was supportive, but beyond that, you don't get a lot from him. Well, he did have the good line at the end, though. <laughs> he did have the good line at the end. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't right. ball his eyes out like Jim cutting onions. Just not. Just not. All right, I'm going to tally up, uh, Tim, while you do the usual uh, talking about what's going on in North South Connection. Yes, absolutely. So, uh I would like everyone who is listening to this podcast to subscribe to the North South connection. That's where you are hearing this show. Um, we got a lot of great, great content over here. Uh, if you are a fan of comics, do be sure to check out uh, second print comics here on North South connection by our friends, uh, Mark Clear and Remzo Martinez. Uh, you can also find some professional wrestling-related content, sort of the bread and butter here on North-South, what we like to call uh, Evergreen Wrestling Podcast. So more of a unique taste with uh, fresh fresh takes and fresh voices on the world of professional wrestling. And on that topic, you will uh, maybe be interested as well in our companion sister podcast network called place to be nation wrestling which is kind of kind of the um, old faithful if you will it's it's the the establishment been around over 10 years now um, so if you're a wrestling fan check out place to be nation wrestling as well as again right here north south connection um, rounding out our what we call quad of pods we have uh, Place Me Nation Pop, the Place Me Nation Pop experience, where I have some involvement over there as well as our guest. Uh, so you can find me on uh, Pop Goes to the Couch with that's a panel show where we review uh, mostly uh, superhero related shows on both Disney Plus and some Star Wars content as well. Um, we finished up a uh, Book of Boba Fett had some very um, mixed <laughs> assessments on that uh, series, spinning out of the Star Wars universe. Um, recently wrapped up Peacemaker coverage as well from mm. HBO Max. Uh, great, great watch that was. So we're gearing up now. We're on a little bit of a hiatus, but not for much longer. Uh, we're going to be doing weekly coverage of Moon Knight from Disney Plus as well. Um, so check that out. Pop goes to the couch on Place Me Nation Pop Experience. Finally, we have the Jenny position. That is uh, the dedicated podcast network of our uh, past guest and dear friend Jennifer Smith, certainly a future guest here as well, we're sure, uh, where she puts together a lot of great pop culture um, related shows, uh, primarily a, a good watch along podcast such as you heard about Pluto, where I recently sat down with Jenny and we watched and geeked out over Star Trek The Next Generation, a random episode on Pluto. That's what you're going to get on that show, just a random watch along on a something from Pluto with Jenny and a guest. We She has the uh, Freak Out Drive-In, which is a horror live watch as well, um, which I've been featured on a number of times. Again, Jenny and a guest just watching a horror movie and and uh, cracking some jokes. It's a very entertaining time over there on the Jenny position. 
just two examples of some of the um, very fun, entertaining content you can find over there. Uh, Michael, you have some presence uh, on the aforementioned Place to Be Nation pop experience. Anything you'd like to uh, promote while you're with us here? Um, I just every every month uh, I do the Extreme Resurrection with uh, Gruny. Um, and it's quite interesting going back into that time because it's definitely some some of the East, you know, WWE, CW uh, moments that aren't aren't tracked too often. Uh, we're just getting to when, uh, you know, Heyman gets ousted. So it, it's going to get it's going to get interesting. And I don't even remember most of this time. So it's, it's good to go back. Um, and the other thing is we do our uh, uh, WWE uh pickums you know for for every month so with wrestlemania coming up you know anyone wants to join you you can talk my contact me or uh roger morsa and we can get you in all right awesome. very and good good Tim. any uh social media presence um that you would like to drop on the listeners michael uh i am sometimes on twitter but i'm i'm <laughs> about to get off it's just insane hey Listen, uh, I get it. Join the club. It, it <laughs> yeah. is. It is. Oh, it's just painful. Mm-hmm. Painful. Mm-hmm. And you're almost better. comedic. You feel better. You feel better out of there. Trust me. Yeah. It's worth the purge. Uh, all right, let's get to our final rankings, and we'll wrap up uh, in last place. Still, poor Jackie Taylor. It's almost a disservice that we even put her on this list, but that performance is so yeah, good. Yeah, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, she'll she'll be back. Uh, so 13 for her. Apasuccio still at 35. Poor Donna. Could not pass Scott, even with him not being on this episode. She's at 59. Scott Scanlon is 61. That's our bottom quad. Uh, then we get to the next tier. Andre Zuckerman up to 108 on the heels of David Silver, who's at 112. Then we have a little gap now as Dylan pulled away from David at 123, right behind Jim Walsh at 126. And then we go up another level to Cindy Walsh at 138, right behind Kelly Taylor at 139. Steve Sanders hanging on to the top three spot with 143. And then Brandon Walsh at 195 has now uh, seen a little gap put between him and his sister. Brenda Walsh, our number one character, at 201 total points. So, uh, yeah, Brenda's still number one, which is surprised me a little bit. But this this episode hurt Brandon uh, finishing, you know, fifth. So he definitely lost a little bit of steam. I'm sure he'll catch up soon. But pretty much the rest, there was no changes. I mean, that was it. Pretty much everyone stayed the same. So... Uh, all right, so we'll be back uh, in two to three weeks with our next episode, episode number 19, as we start to close in down the final home stretch of season one. So, Mike, I want to thank you for joining us. Tim, this is fun as always. Looking forward to the next one already. Have a little dim sum, a little dim sum, and we'll catch you soon.